0: Welcome to the Big Kids Book Club, a podcast about all things fictional from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of The Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host. And joining me back on the show, we have all author of now 10 books. Last time it was two, including the beloved Brightstorm series, the latest version, Fire Song out May the 5th from Scholastic. It's Fashley Hardy,
1: welcome back to the show! Yay! Yeah, thank you so much for having me back I'm so delighted and oh, we've got so much to catch off on actually I'm beginning to think maybe maybe it was you that set this snowball in motion busyness that I've had so it's, it's been ever since then <laughs> I don't know mate. it was
0: quite interesting where it's like oh I'll get Ashley back on the show and then oh gee, I'm doing my notes I, I got to read you know, fire song we'll talk about more of that in a second but then I just went ah oh, so what else has she been doing it? oh how many what so, just, so if I've got this correct, since the last time we spoke, which was for Wild Spark, uh, you've had book two, Dark Whispers of the Right Storm series came out. You've had three books in the Griffin Gate series uh, by Brandon Stoke. Yes. Okay. You've got uh, two in the Harley Hitch series that have also come out and Crowfall, which is a sort of standalone uh, much in the regards of, of Wild Spark in itself that you got that, so uh, I might
1: be busy, shall we say? Do you want to tell us a little bit of the highlights? Yeah, do you, do you know? Um, I guess like, I'm really lucky, and the reason that I'm busy <laughs> writing is, I suppose, it's a few reasons. One, I've got an amazing editor, Linus Alsenus, who uh, works at Scholastic, who keeps me busy and. You know he'll he kind of keeps coming back say oh have you got something maybe an idea for slightly younger and I'm like yes I have and then obviously Barrington Stoke are amazing with what they do yeah. for reluctant and dyslexic readers and they approached me when wild spark came out actually and said have I got any ideas that would work for them and again I was like yes I have <laughs> indeed and so that's where the Griffin gate come from so Uh, between Scholastic and uh, Barrington Stoke I'm kept marvellously busy which is good because I have a lot of ideas and you know I'm getting older I need to get them out.
0: I don't know if you find it obviously sometimes authors it's almost like that case that they have to get out because otherwise you just fixate on one thing for ages a certain character just sits there you're daydreaming away just sort of sitting there oh well, i've got lost in a new character do you find obviously we'll get on to. don't worry people who are listening will be like talk about right stone series we'll get to that yeah. but do you <laughs> find you have like you'll just be sitting maybe having coffee over breakfast or something like that and an idea of a character a name of a place uh, a strange maybe Animal or concept? Does it just go like popping into your mind, or do you have do you have to like properly sort of sit down and sort of blah, sketch pad and flesh out some ideas?
1: Oh, all the time. It's quite a messy process, I would say. <laughs> um, so it could be at any time. Like I might be on a walk, or listening to a piece of music, or Pinterest. Gosh. Um, if I open Pinterest, I often go down that rabbit hole for quite a while because they do that lovely thing where they recommend pins <laughs> and that that I can't help but scroll and see what I'm going to find. And then I have lots of different boards. So I have an ideas board. So often a visual image will spark something and I'll think that would be great in a future brightstorm. That would be good in a, as an idea for a standalone. And, you know, as an example, I'll show you this one. I've got it on my pinboard by my desk. This is, sorry, it's not good, a very good print, but this was a, an image that came up on print, Pinterest one day. And I've grown a whole story in my imagination from this picture um, that's been developing over about a year. I haven't actually started writing yet, but it's, you know, it's kind of on the back burner. I always say ideas, stories are like having a greenhouse of seeds and you you kind of, some you've just planted them, some you've got little shoot coming up, some are full blown sunflowers (laughs) and things. But that's kind of how it works for me.
0: That is a very cool metaphor. I really like the idea of the greenhouse with all the different stages of stuff fantastic and to be fair this year alone has been pretty busy because you've had this is uh fire song is gonna be the third release just in 2022 because obviously in january you had harley hitch 2 which was the missing moon uh yeah. and then you had Griffin there. Gate 3 in march if i got this right which was the raven riddle
1: yeah that one there <laughs>
0: So third book in, oh, what now, four or five months, you know, it's been quite a, do you do you find it difficult to balance writing and then also promoting
1: school visits for like new releases? Oh, it can be, it can be really tricky because there's only so many hours in the day, isn't there? And, you know, I just, I do my best and I try not to be too hard on myself. I am awfully behind on emails <laughs> in general i have this thing if i don't get to it straight away then it can slip or, or sending things out or like i'm like kind of i try not to be too hard on myself i, think, I hope people understand that you know i'm i'm human and i do try, genuinely try my best but you know i will catch up on those emails if you're waiting for an email <laughs> for a reply i promise i will go back through my inbox and check if i've missed anything but yeah, if it's not something that's super urgent, it tends to kind of go on the back burner. But then something else super urgent comes in and then it, it all kind of builds up. It was my New Year's resolution to be better at that. And, you know, I might need to revise that <laughs> next, year. <laughs> next year.
0: Next year. Next year it's fine.
1: Next year I will be better. But you know, I have this thing as well uh, every year. I've done this for two years now. I buy a, a new like Final Facts style diary. With the, with the intention. Do you know what? I've got it no. here. haven't opened it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at it, it's beautiful. This this looks this it looks great, it looks really good. Isn't it so wonderful? Gonna, it was going to organise everything, you know, the intention's there. I'm a bit like Harley Hitch, I'm a trier, but sometimes, sometimes things don't always go, go the way I intended it, but you know, tomorrow's always a new day
0: tomorrow is always a new day and whether you're waiting for an email or in this case i'm going to use it as a very bad segue waiting for the third book in an outstanding trilogy we get on to <laughs> there it there, it, there it. she it's is shiny.
1: ah looks sun.
0: looks oh, yeah. amazing fire song you know the Brightstorm series has captivated audiences especially. I think, I don't know if you knew from when you were writing it going, this is going to be amazing, Arthur and Morty's story is just going to go off, or whether it's been a whirlwind roller coaster, because effectively, you know, it's not been that long since Brightstone come out, and it's this, we're talking about snowballing effects, but it's, it's swept along, it's in bestseller lists, it's in promotions for libraries and schools everywhere, and now the series hits its conclusion with Firesong. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the the concept of building up to a third book in a series, especially one that is a long time coming?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, for a start, it's quite unusual the way this series has has kind of unfolded. Usually, I would say that, you know, people are used to authors writing a series and they get the next book one after another, and then they might do a a different story. So I was in this unique position with, with my brilliant publisher, Scholastic, where they kind of said, let's, you know, you've got this other idea that we really like in Wild Spark. do that next. We can come back to Brightstorm. Um, And I kind of thought, will they let me go back to Brightstorm? And then they did. They did. They let me go back and do Dark Whispers. And then again, after Dark Whispers, they were like, oh, you know, have you got another standalone idea maybe? And then we can come back if we want to to Brightstorm. And again, I thought, will they let me do that third? (laughs) But they did you know my, yeah, I trust my editor um, a lot. We've got a really good working relationship and, and friendship as well. So I tend to kind of go with what they think will be best for the, the, the stories and for the readers um, and things. So it's it, it's come about in a, in a unique way but, I suppose I'm quite lucky that I can flit between projects fairly easily I can inhabit the mind space of whatever world it is whether I'm going to a new place like Crowfall going back to the wide with um, the Brightstorm series so when I start developing what's next for them. It's like putting comfy slippers back on and going back to that world. There's that feeling of kind of like, ah, I know where I'm back uh, with old friends. And Felicity Wiggity has got the marsh cakes out and we're ready, ready to go. So I the only thing that's quite tricky is when you're not sure whether you know how many books there are going to, to be, mm. it can be tricky to plot out an arc so with Fire Song you know I suppose it's quite it's a story if you've not like come across the Bright Storm series and you're listening it's a world where explorers are the celebrities of their their world it's set in a different world called the wide there are parallels to our world in some ways but a lot of very different aspects and technology and creatures Um, As the series progresses, the creatures, these sapient creatures, so there are animals that have heightened intelligence. And as the series unfolds, you you start to learn that there are super sapient animals in this world. And each book kind of introduces another layer to that and another super sapient. So through the three books, you can feel it building. So the book I knew the stories were always about, about these, these sapients and their relationship with humans, how some humans are very, live very symbiotically with sapients and respectfully, and how others see them as a threat to humans authority, and place in their, their world. So all that has been building. So it's been very tricky to, to plan, because each book has to stand alone. If a child picks up Brightstorm, you know, maybe that's all they'll, they'll read. Mm-hmm. Um, or Dark monsters, hopefully they could just read that on its own if they wanted to. but it also there's an overarching arc to the three that mm-hmm. comes to its conclusion in fire song. so it's um, they 're all based around the main characters Arthur and Morty Brightstorm and their journey and their their horrible nemesis, Eudora Vane.
0: Eudora vane um, ah. Oh.
1: What a what a woman!
0: Eh? <laughs> I mean, not so much have you know you hated a character so much as sort of Cruella Deville. She is absolutely nasty. But uh, you mentioned Arthur and Morty there, and I really I think uh, for those who have read most of the series, I think they're going to be really really satisfied with the growth and development of those two in particular. Arthur definitely like. The boy shines in this one he really does grow up it's sort of that transition because they're in that weird sort of 12 to they're just coming on to 13. Yeah they're,
1: they're kind of I think they're about 13 in Dark Whispers so they're probably like yeah heading they're they're proper establishing their teenage years and yeah. this moving that is by the end that moving into kind of young adults really.
0: And you feel that because obviously Morty's much more switched on like i guess most girls you know she's matured a little bit faster she knows she wants to go to the university task she knows that she has this career forward for her arthur's still clinging on to say the shadows of the past and there's there's definitely a sort of withdrawing that cloak that heavy cloak of what's happened in the past the fate of their father um their mother's memory that plays a a big part obviously in the, the start with the their mother's box and obviously with the journey to the volcanic north because that's where basically this is where we go we went to the the uh, frozen south uh, in book one for everyone listening then we went to the the jungles and the beautiful mystical lands of the east in book two and now we're going to the volcanic north and the the many isles that have been again i love because they have been tempted and it's they've been sort of like uh, you know whispered at uh, in the previous sort of novels but we really get to see how big a part wow how big a part they play in arthur and morty's uh sort of story their history so i wonder how much it was it was fun to develop that because i'm especially i'm especially thinking of like hugo and all that stuff i'm not going to explain who hugo is exactly that has to be explored naturally i feel but people like hugo and stuff like that that whole stuff I like where did that come was that something like i want this to this to resolve in a certain way or did you just start writing and went I guess we go like did the story just sort of lead you that way I guess it's that plotter versus pantser sort of Mm -hmm. debate
1: yeah I'm quite a plotter so I do at the beginning have a good idea of where things are going to ultimately end up I'm not always sure how I'm going to get to that point but um like the, the ending of Fire Song I had a pretty good idea, a vision, you know, that closing scene. I had that pretty set in my heart from very early on. It seemed the right journey, the right conclusion, mm. which obviously we can't say too much about, mm-hmm. but seemed, it seemed like the right way to, way to go. So I'm not always sure the steps that I'm going to get there, maybe certain things, but it's quite surprising, actually, when you, in the writing of it, how many things that... I've put into Bright Storm and Dark Whispers that I didn't really realise would be important or I would use them in this book. So it's amazing how many times I look back and think, oh, I better check about this character, what I said, or I better check, what did I mention about that volcanic north? What did I say? And then I go back and it's so serendipitous that, that it, it'll suddenly be like, oh, that works. That's perfect. Brit, how did I know? <laughs> brilliant I can I can use that 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 all ties together I mean it does help to keep a firm idea of uh, you know like family trees and what's going on and and how everything interacts in the time scale of events um it's important to keep keep a, a hold on but yeah there's it's it's lovely seeing how it all comes together and unfolds and it is it's so fun I love I love writing these books and yeah I love the sapience I love the crew and yeah it's quite emotional to get to the end of of this there is a tear or two shed Mm. (laughs) in the writing of that ending
0: Absolutely. I mean, I was just like,
1: oh,
0: <laughs> it's the ending of it. It's it's definitely one of those ones where I feel like if you've invested that time in book one and two, the payoff is what you want in, in book three. You want it to come to this conclusion. You wanted it to basically be this, this denouement of just like feelings and emotions. You wanted some people to get their comeuppance. You wanted some people to get that what they've been owed. And really, I think the growth of the story comes with the growth of the characters. But also, like you said, the growth of the sapient beasts taking really a bit of a spotlight in this one. Now we know we had the Fort Wolves in book one and, you know, there's that sort of symbiotic nature of the, the sort of, I guess, the dark whispers in, in book two and sort of how they sort of connect into it. But really the emergence of Gaia and that sort of thread, that narrative, because Gaia only gets revealed, what, maybe 200, 250 pages into the book, but there's just a constant trickle, some breadcrumbing all the way through from, I think about the first, not quite actually the first chapter, because you have that, the the facility isn't it with I can't remember the the strange researcher the scientist's name love the names you can't some of the names are brilliant but yeah we we get teased the importance of sapient beasts in this don't we
1: yeah I love I think that the first chapter fire song is one of my favourite chapters so it starts unusually sort of away from Arthur and Mordy, mm. that very first scene it starts in a strange uh, facility type laboratory place some in some undisclosed place which becomes very relevant later because I know the readers are going to trust me that this matters and there are some scientists and there is obviously some something untoward going on with the sapients that are being held there and you meet a little character called Frank one of my (laughs) favorite (laughs) little characters to include he like makes me chuckle occasionally Um, in his
0: newspaper or not getting to read his newspaper
1: it's just yeah I think that's the nice thing about developing it you can go a bit omniscient and you can go go and sort of draw away as you build it you can take the reader to other parts in the story that maybe the main characters aren't aware of and kind of go hey look over here look at what's going on no one else knows about so you're like sharing that secret and teasing them kind of into the story which is um yeah I kind of quite enjoy doing things like that so uh yeah it opens up in that situation and then you go back to to Arthur and Maudie and the crew and find out you know their current situation and what's going on in their life and then what draws them northwards
0: it's also really nice because it's a beautiful way of doing it without like an exposition dump. You know, it's just mm. a natural sort of like, hey, meanwhile, on another part of the continent, ooh, something nefarious is going on. And then that builds in, like you say, later on, you can then you can make calls back to it and have the reader go, oh, and ah, yeah. that's, ah. and I think that's a yeah. much better way to world build.
1: Yeah, I think that's and very much with, with any story and with especially with a, a kind of a trilogy arc, you want that feeling in the reader of surprise in how it all goes, but also inevitability and that it's right. So almost like you don't want them to, to foresee exactly how things are going to unfold you know, you're, you, there's kind of that secret contract between an author and a reader. Like, I'm taking you by the hand, and you're going to trust me. Like, come on, I'm going to take you on this amazing ride, on this adventure. Like, trust me, here we go. And then, then the lovely readers trust me, and and off they go. And actually, then they they you know I let go of their hand, and they're holding the hands of the characters, and off they go. But then by the end, you know, you you don't want to disappoint a reader ev- ever in in that in how things unfold unfold you want to give them more than they could have hoped for but for it to still be surprising but satisfying and that is a hard tightrope <laughs> to walk um i think in the whole writing process but hopefully fingers crossed it's um readers will will think i've done okay
0: uh, this this will be uh, another smash here i feel like anyone who is, oh, is yeah, coming into so. If you've you've read book one and two, it is, trust me in this, it is a fantastic conclusion. Like I said, the threads you want completed and tied are tied in beautiful and, like you say, understanding and believable bows. But then, just then at the end, you just dangle a slight hook that potentially might see us return to the wide. And I have to ask, you know, is, because obviously I think You're completely right. That's a beautiful place to leave Arthur and Morty's story. The Y is a big place. There's lots of lovely characters and some really fun new ones. I'm thinking of like Gann in particular. With that ending, are we coming potentially ever back to the Y, do you think?
1: I cannot say for absolute certain on the record. However, things, you know, like you say, there are there's an epilogue. Folks, don't miss the epilogue at the end. There's a very important little turn in the tail, shall we say, at the end, which was super satisfying to lay the groundwork for. And I hope not too many people see it coming. But yeah, there is a little turn in the tail and that sort of sets the groundwork for possible other adventures this is very much the kind of the end of the arc of arthur and mordy for now never say never but it's you know they're they're kind of doing their part now the whole you know the situation isn't just about them and what's going on with them and their personal kind of this vendetta with your dory and everything it's it's bigger than that Things are, things are bigger in the world. And there are lots of different families in the wide. Lots of, and like you say, there's a new character, there's Gan, who is the Citadel King's niece. Uh, she's really fun to write. She's like a very unlikely princess. <laughs> she's set to, to one day take over from King Batsurig and King Tamur. And she's not particularly relishing this thought. She doesn't really want to, you know, be stuck in that, you know, in that lovely sandy palace she wants to be exploring the wide why can't she be an explorer like harriet culpepper etc so she's quite an important character and i think she has more to show the wide and a part to play
0: oh well we will leave it there i know there's always mysteries and secrets within the publishing industry hopefully we will find out but this is not a secret this book is amazing and it's coming out on the 5th of may from scholastic Fire song, the third book in this Bright Storm trilogy. Uh, fantastic, absolutely must rave about it uh, a lot more. But uh, obviously Oh, that's so kind of
1: you. I really appreciate um, you saying that. Thank you. No,
0: it's it's lovely. I honestly bright Bright Storm is one of the ones which really got me back into middle grade where I just went, Oh, this is middle grade, I can get on board with this. It was it was brilliant. It was a lucky find at the library, and I'm so glad I found it.
1: Oh, that's amazing to hear. Because I think the best middle grade. Especially upper middle grade is, you know, can be enjoyed universally, yes. no matter what how old you are. You know, a good story is a good, good story. And we all, you know, have adventurous hearts, even if we don't, you know, necessarily go out there and you know go through mangrove grove swamps or fall in quicksand or you know get stuck in a snowstorm. We, you know, we can kind of live these experiences through through the power of story. And then maybe when you come out of it. Maybe you know, there's just a little bit of you that comes out, a little bit more adventurous and a little bit more willing to take on the world and do your thing, just like Arthur Maudie. So um, that's kind of what I like to think.
0: I'm wondering, obviously now that the Brightstorm trilogy has come to its beautiful conclusion, what else are you working on? I'm assuming four or five different novels at the same time right now. Uh,
1: yeah, definitely. So that that is no no word of a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are four in progress at the moment. Two that I don't think I can talk about really, but uh, one's one sort of uh, one may or may not be for <laughs> very young readers, maybe, um, and that's been in progress for quite a while actually, um, which I'm quite excited about. And book four in the. Griffin Gate series with Barrington Stokes so these are these are much shorter so if Mm. you know people that or young readers that would find Brightstorm a little bit too uh too much content you know heavy
0: yeah
1: you know it's about 60, 70,000 words. So it, it's not intimidating.
0: A bit intimidating. Yeah, it is. can
1: be. I mean, then you know, you can do the audiobook, which is really lovely as well. But if you've got a reader that that loves that kind of sense of adventure, interesting inventions, and a bit of that kind of slightly steampunk vibe about it, then the Griffin Gate series. This is book three, the Raven Riddle. It's set in a world where you can teleport into a map, basically, and kind of there are wardens that solve different mysteries. So book four of this is the weather well and it was it was going to it's kind of going to have a bit of a wintry cover and theme so it was going to be this year but the illustrator natalie is is been snowed under oh, wow. <laughs> with, with work <laughs> Sorry. And so she we I think it they, they've decided it's going to be next year. So sorry, yeah. it's a bit of a wait. It's going to be for the weather well if you're a Griffin Gate fan, but that will be kind of I think September 2023 now. Mm. I mean it is it's almost finished, but yeah, it's just because of how the seasons work, it's better to kind of wait. I'm I'm quite glad because I've got lots of other projects. So I'm <laughs> quite like, I'm okay. When well, they okay. said oh I was like, that's fine. That's fine. Let's do that. But there are three, and these are dyslexic yeah. dyslexia friendly, so they're printed on slightly tinted paper, yeah. which is lovely. And, spaced aren't they?
0: They're quite spaced apart as well to make yeah. things read. Yeah, yeah, and they
1: developed yeah. their own font um, that was the you know that's the the, the most dyslexic friendly. Oh, font that's cool. Their research, uh, so I hear. So yeah, the the book three and four mm-hmm. in that, and Harley three. I am writing at the moment which I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to say to talk about so that should be out early next year it's going to be quite a quick turnaround for me that one and for George to do the illustrations but we're quite used to that but I've got a couple of ideas that's in the world where there are so many different things that ways you could go with that world because this, it's this inventive world Harley changes her hair color every turn though so you know I can go as many colors as there are for, for these books I'm thinking maybe purple for the next one oh. if anyone feels strongly about this do let me know <laughs> I think probably purple hair for her next one and I've got um quite a. I've just got to have the idea approved and I'm chatting with my editor next week about it but I've got an outline that involves fossils and time a little bit Um, so I'm going like that kind of slightly that that sort of area of science that deals with the past so the lovely thing about these is I can explore a different aspect of stem with each one and bring truth in from our world and mix it with fun and made up stuff so so you get um so Harley Hitch and the Iron Forest was a lot about ecology and how if you introduce something into an environment, how there's a knock on effect for that. Uh, Harley Hitch and the Missing Moon is very much about the moon and the stars and the role the moon plays on our planet and what would happen if it weren't missing. So scientifically there's a lot of real fact in there but a lot of you know embellishment and fun as well so you get things like the guide to the stars of inventia inside where there are real facts of of these stars mixed with fun things because obviously stars don't usually come down and have personalities and wear tiaras but there are some real facts mixed in with it so the next book 3 will be similar there will be some real sort of sciency facts mixed with the the fun stuff as well so that's another one I'm working on you know I'm I'm ready to go.
0: Absolutely absolutely and unfortunately we're almost ready to go because I've just suddenly seen the time I think we could probably talk all afternoon couldn't we Vashti if we're we're not careful
1: it (laughs) is
0: all good because it's all exciting Nata I tell you that but Here's some more exciting NATO. It's competition time. Yes, it's competition time, Yay! lovely listeners. Yes, we're giving one of you lovely listeners the chance of winning the latest copy of the Brightstorm series. It's Fire Song. If you want to get your hands on a copy, all you have to do is head it over to our Twitter at Big Kids Book Club. That's all one long, lovely word. And there you're going to be retweeting and liking the competition post with the hashtag #GaiaComp. That's Gaia Comp. That's G-A-I-A-Comp. And obviously, we need to have a quizzy question. And what better one than talking, we're talking about sapient companions sapient creatures then what would be your perfect sapient companion obviously we have Arva has uh Parthena, we have queenie the cat as well but what what animal would you have if you could have any sapient companion what animal would that be based on so vashti uh, if you could have any any companion animal as a sapient being
1: what animal hmm. would you have i think I've, i'd go for something that could Lie because that would be quite handy, I think. So maybe an owl, one of those really beautiful, Ooh. big, snowy owls, would be gorgeous to have by your side. Yeah, how about you? What would you have? Uh, no
0: hat, no, no contest. Mine would be a cat, probably less like Queenie, less judgmental than Queenie, I hope. But I would definitely have a, a cat, possibly. I'd love to have one that would just, just chill on my shoulders and then. You, you could go anywhere with them, and they just, they just chill on your shoulder. That'd be quite cool, I think, uh, having a cat. But that's just some of our opinions. What would be your perfect animal sapient companion? Let us know with that hashtag #GuyComp over at Big Kids Book Club Twitter, and you could be in a chance of winning a copy of
1: Fire Song. How does that sound, Ashley? It sounds amazing. It does. That, that sounds brilliant, and yeah. You'll get one with the lovely flaps in it as well. Yay! (laughs) Oh, exciting! And, oh, this
0: has been exciting, but it is time to say, unfortunately, goodbye. Vashti, thank you so much for
1: coming back onto the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And You know, it's been my utter pleasure to chat to you and thank you for your support and thank you to the readers for joining the crew you know they won't be here without you so uh, you are you're all you know you're all hired you're all hired for adventure
0: all aboard the aurora but i won't quite let you go until you let the lovely listeners know how they can find out more about you and your books is there a website or some social media they can go to
1: oh yeah absolutely so uh, my website is hardy.com. Very easy to find, you know. Having a name like mine makes it very easy for people to track you down. I put updates usually on there in the books and links. Uh, if you want to, I will say, if you want to order signed copies of my books, I work a lot with someone called the Book Nook in Hove, a brilliant independent bookshop, and I regularly go in there to sign and leave signed copies. So they they have pre-orders of uh, Fire Song too, and they will have signed copies. So if you don't win the competition, you can like pop on there and they will send them around the country um, which is really good so have a look at the book note and I'm on Twitter I think I'm Vashti underscore Hardy and Instagram I love a bit of Instagram so I'll often post bits and bobs on there so uh, do come and connect
0: Fantastic. Well, lovely listeners, uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. Uh, Don't forget, you're going to be heading over to that Twitter at Big Kids Book Club because you're going to definitely want to get on with this competition. But you can also find out more content from us at our website, bigkidsbookclub.com. There you'll find additional previews, reviews and an entire archive of over 100 episodes of the podcast. And you can find that original one that we did with Vashti where we were talking about, like I said, talking about Wild Spark back in those archives. So go check them out if you're brand new to the show. But until next time, all I have to say is for you to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading.